This is why we fight. And this is Labor Lines on KRFP, Moscow, Idaho, 90.3 FM, krfp.org. Uh, Labor Lines is the show. I'm John Andercheck. Labor Lines is on the air on this great station, KRFP, for going on three years. It's been also a podcast on Anchor FM, Spotify, Overcast, and some other platforms. And if you're listening to this show, which is scheduled to air on Tuesday, August 31st, and can't uh, listen to the entire show, you'll be able to catch it in entirety as I load it onto 
uh, Anchor FM. So if that's the case, uh, I hope you'll avail yourself to that technology. I'd like to thank Mark and Jill Lawrence for supporting Labor Lines through KRFP's Adopt a DJ program. That's how someone or some uh, more than one can pick up one of the great programming of all the great programming on this station and support it directly. You can find out how to do that and how to become a member of this community-supported, community-supporting radio station, KRFP, by going to krfp.org. Coming up at the top of the hour is an interview with Harold Phillips. Harold Phillips is with SAG-AFRA, Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, Portland, Oregon. Uh, as he will mention at the beginning of that interview, he is speaking for himself and not for that local. Uh, Harold and I met through his activities with the Radio Labor Network. Uh, Labor Lines is part of that. Now there's almost 100 podcast shows all associated with labor, some supported by unions, union locals, uh, some like myself that are offshoot of a community radio station such as the great KRFP. I'd like to shout out to Lee Robertos. Uh, Lee's out there. He does the morning and evening news, and he keeps this uh, train on its track. I produce my show at my home. I upload it on uh, uh, FileZilla, not to plug them, and Lee gets it on the air. So I'd like to thank him. And again, one of those, along with the board members and all the great disc jockeys uh, that keep this station going. Uh, it's an incredible experience and opportunity for myself. So we'll have the interview with Harold Phillips. We'll cover a lot of subjects. Uh, his union, uh, Richard Trumka, uh, the late head of the American Federation of Labor, Congress of Industrial Organizations. We just lost him at the age of 72. Did the good die young? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the future of labor, the PRO Act, the Protect the Right to Organize Act. So I hope you stay tuned to that. They'll be uh, through the middle of the program. In between that, uh, we'll have some music, and who knows what else I, I'll throw into the mix. But thank you for listening. Together 
there's a fight so hungry people can eat, I'll be there. Wherever there's a cop beating up a guy, I'll be there. I'll be in the way guys yell when they're mad. I'll be in the way kids laugh when they're hungry and they know supper's ready. And when the people are eating the stuff they raise and living in the houses they build, I'll be there too. I don't understand it, though. Me neither, Ma, but just something I've been thinking about. Give me your hand, Ma. I got a close friend of mine here with me tonight, gonna come up and do a song, Mr. Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. Come on, Tommy. Tommy also makes great acoustic records in the, the Night Watchman. Been walking along the railroad tracks. Gone someplace, there's no going back. Highway patrol choppers coming up over the ridge. Hot soup on a campfire under the bridge. Shelter line stretching around the corner. Welcome to the new world order. Family sleeping in their cars in the southwest No home, no job, no peace, no rest Well, the highway's alive at night But nobody's kidding nobody about where it goes I'm sitting down here in the campfire light Searching for the ghost to talk Here's a prayer book out of his sleeping bag Preacher lights up a button and takes a drag Waiting for when the last shall be first and the first shall be last in a cardboard box deep the underpass You got a one-way ticket to the promised land You got a hole in your belly and a gun in your hand Sleeping on a pillar solid rug Bathing in the city's aqueduct
said, Mom, wherever there's a cop beating a guy, wherever hungry newborn baby cry, where there's a fight against the blood and hatred in the air, look for me, Mom, I'll be there. Wherever somebody's fighting for a place to stand. For a decent job or a helping hand Wherever somebody's struggling to be free Look in their eyes, my, you'll see me
Mob job covering young Neil Young's Rockin' in the Free World. Before that, Springsteen, but it goes back a few years. It was part of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony uh, there, as he says, with Tom Morello. Springsteen's song actually goes to Tom Dobe. Before that, excerpt from the iconic, the epic, the American classic uh, version, film version of Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath, Henry Fonda. Look for me, and you'll look for me. And we started out the music in this first half hour, Labor Lines, with Widespread Panic. That's a Solomon Burke song. I asked a few um, weeks ago if anyone knew who covered it, but I found that out myself. Not covered it, but wrote it. It's Solomon Burke. None of us are free. The show is Labor Lines on KRFP, Moscow, Idaho, 90.3 FM. KRFP.org. Labor Lines is the show, and I'm John Andertrack. Thank you. Okay, we are going to get into the interview with Harold Phillips. As I mentioned at the start of the show, I uh, recorded this interview uh, just yesterday, the 24th of August. I'm recording uh, the show for August 31st today on August 25th from my home in Longview, Washington. Had to splice some files together there, so it's a bit clunky. But uh, again, introducing Harold Phillips with SAG Afra, Portland, Oregon, and uh, we'll go from there. And once we get into the body of the interview, uh, it'll work a lot better. A lot we covered there. I really appreciated his uh, time he gave me last night. Harold Phillips, thank you for joining me, and uh, uh, the show is yours. My own personal opinion and has nothing to do with the views of SAG-AFTRA or the Portland SAG-AFTRA local. And I really appreciate you having me on. I'm a big Labor Lines fan. I don't get to listen to the show live nearly often enough. But because you do podcast on Anchor FM, I am able to go back later and catch some of the great music that you choose and some of the fantastic interviews. So it's really a privilege to be on. Well, thanks again. So uh, you're uh, in with the Screen Actors Guild. You're on the board. Um, how long have you been associated with them? I mean, how did you get into the Screen Actors Guild? Well, first off, it's not the Screen Actors Guild anymore. Uh, the full name is Screen Actors Guild American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, which is a huge mouthful. So we just say SAG AFTRA. And that union came out of the merger of two unions. One is the one you just mentioned, the Screen Actors Guild, which was founded in the 30s. And the other was the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, or AFTRA, which was founded, um, I think, probably in the 30s as well, but after SAG was founded. The two unions merged in 2012, and uh, they, we've been going strong ever since. I actually joined SAG after that in 2015. I had been a non-union actor for a number of years and um, finally got enough credits in order to be able to join. And uh, I've been happy as a clam ever since. I've uh, served on the Portland local board since, uh, well, for the past six years. So... Yeah, this is higher math here, but I think that's that's probably 20, 2016, yeah, 20, 2017. I think since 2017, so it's four years. So you stepped up there, Harold, uh, to help the organization. You mentioned uh, as we were visiting before we started recording, it's a non-paid position. Uh, you are obviously uh, a union activist. Uh, Another one of your, it's like you didn't have enough to do, Harold, and uh, to anyone listening, how Harold and I met is, uh, Harold, I'm going to call, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you're one of the founding powers behind a lab, uh, Labor Radio Network, uh, which now Labor Lines is a part of, uh, and uh, so you've connected across the across the country, but also worldwide, I believe, uh, various uh, labor-related uh, podcasts, radio shows from those established for decades, maybe, to upstarts like myself. 
Absolutely, Harold. And I found it exciting. We met, I think, through the Labor Lines uh, Facebook group and uh, went from there. I know I recruited at least uh, another show, Mark Anderlich in Missoula with uh, uh, a radio for the 99%. Uh, it brings to mind, uh, whoever gets credit for it, I heard it was Lennon, uh, freedom of press comes from owning one. Uh, so here we are, right, in the 21st, for, uh, 21st century version of that, right? Uh, and they always say about uh, Facebook and uh, uh, social media, you know, the, the founders behind that, Zuckerberg and company, uh, they really never intended it to use it like we do, but uh, that's the way it goes. So here we are connected. Yeah, anyone listening, Radio Labor Network, I'm speaking with Harold Phillips uh, in Vancouver, uh, neighbor now, now that I'm in Longview, Washington. Uh, uh, and you can find that on the web. It's not that hard to find. It gives you, like Harold said, a hundred some stations from across the world. I know you're connected with Australia. The few times I've been on the meetings weekly, uh, it's uh, very diverse. Um, you know, uh, very diverse. There's no party line, and it's very open to uh, uh, all aspects of the labor movement. So I congratulate you and Chris and who and the rest of the folks behind that on on that regard, Harold.
points out there, and the network is not here to tell people what they should think or what they should do. Rather, it's to open up the door to people who are looking for labor content and say, you like labor lines? Guess what? Here's five or ten other shows you may not have heard about yet that are talking about the same kind of things that Labor Lines is talking about. Or Voice of the People, Mark Anderlich's show. Or um, Stick Together in Australia. Um, Red Dead Redemption in New Zealand. There's, there's labor content all over the world. And if you're somebody like me, who listens to podcasts while you're cleaning the house or mowing the lawn and you're looking for new stuff that you might not have heard before, come check us out because something tells me we've got something that you might be interested in. Absolutely. And, and uh, what I like to say, uh, I hope it doesn't sound too trite, but um, uh, when it comes to labor, when it comes to the worker movement, uh, and we might lose sight of this, Harold, uh, so maybe it's important to refocus is uh, – our solidarity overshadows our differences. Uh, again, like you say, we're all the same same goal, how we're going to get there. Uh, but this uh, idea of communicating uh, to having this access is tremendous. Labor Radio Network. And uh, with me again is Harold Phillips, a neighbor out of Vancouver, Washington, on the board of the Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Actors, Portland, Oregon. Um, I would just say the Portland SAG after local brother. It's, it's a hell of a lot easier. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, here we are. Anyways, um, another subject I wanted to get into um, as we talk about this, we covered labor, uh, you know, the network there, which I'm uh, happy to be part of, really connected me to some great people. Um you know, is uh, when we look at what's going on in labor, uh, we can't uh, uh, overlook uh, a great loss. And that is with Richard uh, Trumka. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, you put a show on it about it. Um, I just credit him uh, from what, uh, from my limited perspective in that, you uh, there was incredible adversity, as there always is in a labor movement. But in, in each period, I think there's very specific adversities. Uh, and he managed to uh, keep uh, labor, keep the labor movement on its feet uh, while it was under assault from uh, everything from uh, right to work and striker replacement to uh, globalization and deindustrialization. But I'll leave it to you to uh, uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on uh, on Trumpka and uh and uh, I'll just give you this little, this time here. Well, you know, you're right, John. He, he absolutely um, kept labor on its feet, like, like you're saying. But I would argue that uh, he also ignited the fire in a lot of people who wouldn't necessarily have thought of themselves as part of the labor movement. Um, one of the things a lot of people forget about Richard Trumka is he came into office at the AFL-CIO as part of a change movement. The prior administrations at the AFL-CIO had been much more conservative. They'd been people from that anti-communist era uh, during, during the McCarthy era. And what Trumka and the people who came in with him wanted to do was they really wanted to open things up and remind the American people that we are all in this together, that all of us are working people and we all deserve a fair shake. And as someone who grew up with Trumka as the face of the labor movement, the message that he was putting out to people like me was whether you're a union member or you're not a union member, we are all working people and we're all facing the same challenges. I think one of the one of the greatest things that he did was set up this idea with Working America that working people could come together and exercise political power, whether they were in a union or not in a union. And we've seen time and time again through the election cycles how big a role Working America plays to focus elections on workers' issues. And that's just one example of the way Trump had brought people together. He also was very committed to social justice, racial justice, justice for LGBTQ people.
people. He opened the labor movement up in a lot of ways. And yeah, he kept us on our feet, but he also fired people up. And I think one of the reasons we're seeing such a resurgence in the movement right now, especially from young people, is largely due to his leadership. Yeah, yeah, it's a, and it's an interesting study. I mean, you know, he, he, I mean, he, he came up literally from the ranks. He was a coal miner, uh, got into law, got his law degree uh, as he's testified because he understood that the law is a weapon uh, and uh, 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 workers need it because it's been used against them from time immemorial. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, when the so uh, and. Yeah, we went through this period uh, where labor was assaulted, you know, with uh, Reaganomics, with neoliberal politics, and we saw it across the board. And that really got me interested in it uh, because I saw it from uh, the attack on solidarity in Poland, uh, while at the same time we were taking uh, the head of the uh, professional air traffic controller, uh, Patco, uh, in chains out of his office under Reagan. And of course, uh, the Iron Maiden there in the UK, uh, 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 now I just had uh, uh, Margaret Thatcher uh, busting the UK uh, miners. And so we saw it all across the board there, all across the world. And uh, we he, he, did, uh, he did illuminate the need for unions because I think there was a period of time, Harold, where... Uh, People either for one reason or another uh, uh, didn't think they needed a union or thought they were uh, better than uh, the working class. And uh, like you say, young people are finding out that that's not the case, that we do need a we all need a union card in our pocket. Well, yeah, but, and, and I'm a good example of that. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I grew up in the Reagan 80s. And I bought a lot of what was being sold. And it took years and years and years before I actually started listening to some of the union members in my field talk about those basic ideas of how we're stronger together, how we watch each other's backs, how we make change by working together to make that change. We have had a couple generations now who haven't thought that unions were for them. And I think you pointed out a lot of reasons for that. Uh, There's definitely been a lot of denigration of blue collar and trades work. There's been this idea that you have to go to college and make a million dollars and buy a yacht to be successful. There's the idea that you're you're actually doing your kids a disservice if you're pointing them toward the job of a plumber. You know, uh, look at how much plumber make and makes, and uh, look at how much nursing homes make. I think it's absolutely the wrong way of thinking. But over time, we've reaped what we've sown yeah. from the Reagan and the Thatcher. You know, this is this is what's gotten us to this place that we're in now, and. Older Gen X folks like me, I guess I count as older now compared to a lot of the young kids in the movement, you know, we we are waking up to the fact that we were sold a bill of goods. And our kids have already learned that there's strengths in being together. They've already learned to work together. And so the idea of forming a union is a next logical step for them. Our next stop is making sure that it's easier for them than it was for us to form those unions, and that's where the PRO Act comes in. Something else that Trumpka was really passionate about, and I'm happy to hear that there is a move to rename it to be Richard Trumpka, Protecting the Right to Organize Act. Excellent. I have caught that. Again, I'm with Harold Phillips, uh, union activist, uh, a neighbor of mine uh, out of of Vancouver, Washington. This is John Andercheck with Labor Lines on KRFP. And if you're just coming into this uh, interview, this segment of the show that's scheduled to air in about a week or so, uh, you can go to Labor Lines on Anchor FM and catch the whole interview. So great segue into the PRO Act, the Protect the Right to Organize Act. Uh, Certainly uh, an understatement to say the most important piece of potential uh, labor legislation in uh, 
generations. And actually, if you go back to the, the most impactful, it was anti-worker legislation of the Taft-Hartley Act. So uh, we're, we're, we've, it's been a long, long road. It's been a long valley between the peaks. But again, thanks to people like uh, uh, Trumpka, uh, we're still viable. Uh, and, uh, and he paid played no small part, I will say, in putting into the White House, uh, and I was no fan of him, so no one can bust me on that, uh, the most pro-union president we've seen in decades, Joe Biden, and the PRO Act, uh, which is a lot to it, uh, but would certainly uh, uh, level the playing field for workers to organize their workplace, uh, Harold. So go with that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's, it's going to make a huge difference. And, you know, it's, it, we face an uphill battle uh, in getting it passed. Obviously, it's passed the House. Now it's sitting in the Senate. Uh, Schumer won't bring it up on the Senate floor until he's got every Democrat as a co-signer. And at this point, we have three holdouts. We've got Mark Warner in Virginia. We've got Kirsten, Kirsten Cinema in Arizona. And Mark Kelly, uh, the ex-astronaut and husband of Gabrielle Giffords, also from Arizona. None of them have said that they're going to co-sign the bill, and so it's sitting in a bit of limbo. So if any of you out there are listening from Arizona, Call Mark Kelly and Kirsten Cinema. Tell them to co-sign this bill. If you're listening in Virginia, call Mark Warner. Tell him to co-sign this bill. And if you have friends and family in either of those states, call them up. Ask them to phone their senator. Send a letter to their senator. Ask them to co-sign this bill because that's the holdup. Now, once we get it to the floor, obviously it's going to be debated and uh, then with an evenly split Senate and the filibuster in place, we know that that's another hurdle that needs to be jumped. But the first step is to get these three to sign on. Or if you happen to be an Alaskan, I myself am an ex-Alaskan, I used to live in Anchorage, Give our friend Lisa Murkowski a call because you might not know this, but Alaska is actually a very pro-union state. In fact, Don Young, the representative from Alaska, voted for the PRO Act in the House. Get Lisa Murkowski on the phone. Let her know that you want her to co-sign the PRO Act as well. This is going to be transformative legislation. Aside from making it easier for people to join and form unions, it's going to actually put teeth on the penalties that the bosses are going to have to face when they engage in anti-worker activity. We all saw what happened in Bessemer, Alabama during the Amazon union drive. We saw Amazon blasting their employees with texts, putting signs in the bathrooms, captive audience meetings, putting a post office box monitored by a camera in front of the facility and telling people to drop their ballots in there. Under current regulations, Amazon doesn't face much consequence for those things. It's a, it's a little fine, it's a little slap on the wrist. The PRO Act has big consequences for that kind of activity. So, that's another reason why we really need this bill. We have seen time and time again how these companies crack down on their workers when they want to come together and collectively bargain and watch each other's backs. The law as it stands right now doesn't really give them too much in the way of penalties. It's about time they paid for breaking the law. Absolutely. I mean, if the folks listening, uh, if they, they may not have any understanding, but as I mean, the examples are many, but one would be if they fire you uh, for uh, uh, trying to organize a union, for just even speaking out in one of those captive audience meetings, uh, the penalties are, are literally zero because uh, you might be due back wages, but it, it, it's so convoluted. They're going to say that, well, that's minus whatever work you got when we fired you. So they basically owe you nothing. And another aspect of it is 
in a workplace, if the workers vote to organize uh, the the company, the corporation, the organization can stonewall them forever because there's nothing to make them come to the table. And sadly, but understandably, a lot of workers will say, well, I don't even see why I did this three, four years go down the pike and I still don't have a contract. And uh, all that effort goes to naught. And uh, people just look at the headlines and say, well, see, they didn't want to be in a union. You are absolutely right. We're seeing it right now with Collective Ocampi, which is the first cafe union that's just been certified by the National Labor Relations Board yesterday, I think, or maybe the day before. They got their union. They are a certified union. They are going to bargain for first contract with the owner, and guess what? The owner says, yeah, you know, we don't know if we really want to bargain that contract. They're already starting to put the roadblocks in front of them, and it could be two or three years before they can finally get a contract bargained. That's another thing that the PRO Act fixes. If management won't bargain a contract within a certain period of time, I think it's maybe nine months or a year, the contract immediately goes to arbitration and arbitrator makes sure that that contract is done. Right. Yeah. They, another case is up in Lewiston, Idaho, uh, you know, a right to work state where uh, under uh, the Teamsters, uh, the nurses at St. Joe Regional Medical Center voted to uh, organize. And uh, I, I haven't kept in touch with them lately, but the last I heard, they still haven't got a contract. And that's going on two years, I think. Uh, it's tough business, Harold. Um, uh, you know, I'm kind of uh, we're going to see, you know, get, once again, we can't even get all the Democrats on board. Uh, that's a whole nother uh, uh, show. I actually had shows about where we've gone with the Democratic Party and labor. Uh, but uh, I also think of Mother Jones, the great uh, uh, leader in America, the icon. Uh, we will fight and lose. We will fight and win, but we will fight. And uh, I guess, you know, you could say that about uh, uh, Trumpka. I mean, you know, it's uh, win or lose, uh, but no defeats in a labor movement, really. another is ready to take his place and we saw this this week as well with Liz Schuler being elected uh, president formally of the AFL-CIO. This is why organized labor is organized because there are forces arrayed against us from the left and the right and we have the organization not only to be able to navigate those forces but also to step up and fill those voids when they unfortunately happen. Absolutely. Liz Schuler, a shout out to uh, my former union. I'm a retired member of the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. And uh, I know this on uh, many of the members of Radio Labor Network, how we've been highlighting that uh, labor is not what people still think of, of two, three generations ago, even though it wasn't accurate then, but maybe more so of, of white guys in a back room. Uh, there's men, uh, Liz Schuler again, first woman elected to an enormous organization, millions of members. I think 80 uh, is a federation. Uh, of, I believe, 80 unions uh, and uh, a very diverse leadership there. And you see it across the board and you also see it at the, the local level, at the uh, at, at the mid-level and uh, all the efforts made into moving labor forward to reflect our uh, our country and our people. Well, no, I don't know, but uh, um, I think a lot of people don't realize just how democratic labor is. You know, you're right, there is still this idea of fat cats in a back room smoking cigars. The reality is the structure of labor is entirely democratic, where the members elect their stewards, the members elect their leaders. Those leaders then come together to elect people higher in their uh, state federations, and those folks come together to elect people higher up in the national federation. Labor is inherently democratic because we believe that everybody's voice should be heard. And I know that there's there's plenty of systems out there where people think that some unions are more or less democratic than others. But this is something else Trump said, um, especially recently. 
Labor is all about democracy, and democracy is under attack. And we are a prime example of how democracy works. We may not like the result of how that democracy works sometimes when people who we might not have voted for don't get elected, but we put those people into place through an election. And they have a term of office that they serve. And then they stand for election again. And they have to go before the union members that put them there to make their case for being reelected. Don't get more democratic than that. Absolutely. Harold Phillips, again, Harold Phillips uh, with the screen, uh, <laughs> SAG uh, AFTRA. Did I get that right, Harold? Pardon me. Uh, uh, yeah, Portland, a uh, neighbor of mine in Vancouver. This is John Andercheck with Labor Lines, uh, KRFP, Moscow, Idaho, and Labor Lines, now a podcast on Anchor FM. Coming up at the half hour break. Harold, stay with me. Uh, we're going to maybe, I'd like to talk a little more about the Democratic uh, nature of unions because, again, I think that's something a lot of people miss. So we're going to pause here at the bottom of the half hour.